0: uh meow <laughs> how you doing i'm uh i'm cat danny <laughs> I'm gonna try to not do any bad character jokes for a few more episodes after this week
1: so Thundercats won't be next week.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. The cat saga? You're right. I don't know, I don't know what I don't know what kind of opening bit I'm gonna have for Lionel. I just used my A material for Sahara coming at you today on Sadie Hawkins Pod. So all
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie
0: Hawkins Pod. Hi. Uh, I haven't been trying hard. You know what? I really got to think about the bits. I got to think about the opening bits, like, a couple days before. Like, we can't be... Sometimes we've hit on gold with nothing at the table and then we've magically hit on gold. But for the last, I feel like You're in charge recently. of the opening bit stand. You should be in charge of the opening
1: bits. I'm in charge of the engineering. I mean, oh, you're no, so sorry, clever. Sorry. April's in charge of the engineering. <laughs> I'm producing. Come
0: on, you're so clever with your Connor new daddy joke. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm digging that up again. <laughs> digging it up just to bury again.
1: Which to bury, us or the Connor new daddy? <laughs> Which
0: to bury- us or our relationship because <laughs> I keep bringing up these <laughs> things that you.
1: We've I'm already gonna... gone to such a dark place.
0: <laughs> well, Where's there left
1: to go. That's in this fitting because <laughs> this
0: week we're talking about what might secretly be one of the darkest Relying K songs. Yeah, I mean, it' not not a very well kept secret, but I never, I like got the gist of this song most of my life, but I never really dug into it until two hours ago, <laughs> like I read yeah. the lyrics for the first time. Yeah,
1: same. It's so, like, like it's so emotionally driven. It's so raw and personal. And, yeah. like, this is, this is like, the only Reliant K song I think that I listen to, and I'm like, oh, I can feel anger in this. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I don't feel that, like, even in sort of their, their saddest sort of songs mm-hmm. or their slower songs, you still feel this, like, over overarching sense of of hopefulness and you don't get that here this is just like very much like a shouted out we're in the the anger stage
0: of a breakup right this is the end of the second act well we well before we get into that i do want to try to clear up some more voicemails because we've been sitting on so many let's do it so here is daniel from march 15th (laughs)
2: So guys? It's Daniel. Just uh, had some thoughts about something you guys were talking about, about the song Collapsible Long."
0: That is so <laughs> fitting. That is so fitting to discuss this week, and I didn't plan it this way. But this week, the day before this episode came out, we, over on Patreon.com, kind of closed the chapter on our Collapsible Long" the Song things to do, because all the way back in episode 88, we did the song Collapsible Belong" and I found all of these YouTube reviews of the album from the week that the the album came out, and back in episode 88, I said, we'll talk about all these on Patreon. Well, the last two months got away from us, so we finally did it this week. It's been been on our to-do list. We finally got it done, and here we are. We're wrapping it up even more with this voicemail from... Daniel from our collapsible lung episode. So I'm excited to finally wrap up this chapter.
2: I do agree that it's the most simple song on on the album collapsible lung, or at least one of them, but uh, when Daniel says that it's like, when the album is like, really complicated and all the songs, all these different parts and all this kind of stuff, I'm not sure we're listening to the same album because like, uh, Collapsible Lung, as a whole, with maybe the exception of Disaster, is, like, filled with songs that could not be more simple.
0: Okay, I remember this. I heard this voicemail back then, two months ago, but we never got to it on the show. Um, Yeah, I said Collapsible Lung was a really simple song, probably one of the most simple songs, because it's just... I mean, if anything, for the instrumentation, it's just kind of simple sounding chords. I don't know what kind of chords they are, but it sounds very simple kind of melody to my ear, just guitar and drums and everything like that. And I said that all the other songs on the album were very complicated. And I could be wrong if Daniel remembers from his point two months ago and when we hear his voicemail, but I didn't mean from a songwriting point of view, I'm sure from a songwriting point of view, most of the songs on the album collapsible long are very simple if for no other reason then it was written to be an easily, you know, entertaining, easily digested pop album, you know, f- apart from the fact that Reliant K fans, as we learned on our Patreon episode at the time, Reliant K fans, like, were so against the idea of this album, it was meant as a pop album to, like, reach a new fan base, you know? Right. So that's what I meant. I meant, th- I, I was talking about the production, like that's all of I these different parts, all, Yeah. like all these different, like putting in the horns and putting in bells and whistles and
1: fine o- tuning,
0: fine tuning and like compressing things and Doing a loud, noiseless, like uh, loudness wars and all that kind of stuff. I meant from a production standpoint and like a song like uh, the sibling to the song we're talking about this week, Savannah. Like, to go back to Savannah, and when you look at the breakdown video by Mark Lee Townsend, like, that's a complicated song because it's got literal trash cans being used and all kinds of things. And, like, so many physical objects were involved in that song. But it feels like an organic song. I'm just talking about collapsible long-form production point. feels like it went through so many different programs and computers. And had so many parts redubbed and dubbed over and redone and probably edited. That's what I meant by... Collapse belong is complicated i yeah. think daniel's saying the song parts themselves probably on paper are simple but that's not what i was hinting at yeah. two months ago yeah <laughs> um i mean maybe i
2: just have a different perspective because i can play it along to the songs and stuff like that but like they're the most like they're just really like simple basic songs like they might not be like stripped down in the sense of like two guitars bass and drums like some of their first couple albums were but in terms of like being difficult to pull off live or you know the amount of instruments that are on each song or whatever uh even down to parts that are played on the song especially i think if you listen to the drums, like everything is really simple um obviously that's an extreme on the song collapsible along where they're just kind of like in that song is but like the, the last chorus they maybe could have done something a little bit more complicated to kind of keep it a little less monotonous but i mean as a whole that album i think is just some of the most simple song structures and song uh parts that they've ever written
0: so yeah so we we are talk we were talking about two different sort of things i was talking about production yeah i wasn't talking about the parts as they were played by the musicians, or the tunes, the melodies, the strong song structure on paper. It sounds like you know if if he's if Daniel has done these covers and it's just him, then yeah, it's probably really easy to to play.
2: Um, anyway, that's just my thoughts on it. I, I think that album is really simple, and that's what I like about it. Um, I think people pop songs, and I think they automatically think that that must. kind of been their easiest album to make because obviously some of the band members weren't super happy with it and kind of left after that although maybe it had nothing to do with the album I don't know
0: I mean, he been, he, so then Daniel also got to the point of the idea of overproduction. So I wonder, with not being like a good music critic, although that's what I attempt to do every week on this show.
1: We apologize for it every week. I don't, I'm not apologizing. We know nothing I'm not about it. I didn't apologize for <laughs> no, it. Right I know. Now, you and didn't. I'm not
0: apologizing. I'm just saying the I do. facts. Um, I, I'm, I wonder, I'm learning a lot more, uh, like aside from just talking about Reline K every week, I've I'm, I'm been learning a lot more stuff. I've been in arguing with people about ska music online i've had to learn more about it like from different musical points of view that i didn't necessarily like understand it from a history point of view i feel i understand ska from a history point of view really really well not just like on my own but people taught me specifically about it um so i can talk about that stuff but i'm learning about more music stuff Uh, my point was i'm wondering now if when we i mean we in the all of us as is, is humanity. When we say overproduced, as I wonder if that's more like... Okay, you know what I'm trying to say? In movies, they say good special effects aren't noticed. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I wonder if when people say something is overproduced, it means that there's a lot of production that's too obvious. Because, I mean, like he was saying here, five score is very produced and... I think that this album that we're talking about this week, Forget Not Slow Down, has a lot of production in it. But I wonder now if when people say something is overproduced, it's just like you can hear the seams, basically. You can hear the the decisions, the computer clicks. You can hear the Pro Tools clicks. You can like tell what they did to fuss and fuss budget the song.
1: Yeah, this is like... $30 million VFX that you can tell they spent a lot of money on, like, to to look so amazing. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it doesn't feel as seamless and integrated as sort of those more, like, $2 million, $2 million VFX that they did in After Effects, but put, you know, a, a lot more love into it. And more it just time. worked. More time. The kind triangle of, worked of with time. It. Yeah.
0: Was it time, money and speed speed time money and speed the triangle of quality you can only have two of those things so I wonder so when we all say when you hear someone criticize something is overproduced I'm now wondering does that just mean it wasn't produced perfectly because I'm sure you can even say something's overproduced and you're not necessarily saying it's bad production but you're just saying there's a lot of production and I can tell I guess i don't know what does that mean i'm sure there's some like nerd writer type style video on youtube where it's like what does overproduced mean (laughs) like where they describe it where some hipster video essayist on youtube describes it well thank you daniel for the voicemail so we're really catching up well i'm sure by next week we'll have caught up on the voicemails do you want to do one more who do we got uh, oh, we got a call from Connor New Daddy, nice. and this one goes back to April 15th, <laughs> so this is only a month ago. This is before uh, Joke daddy gate. Yeah, this is before New <laughs> yeah. Daddy Gates. But uh, yeah, there's something. there was something in this voicemail that I saved it for.
2: Hey Danny and Jess, uh, just calling back because I started listening to the final countdown episode, and it looked like Joel from Australia had the exact same thought. I did called about the same thing today.
0: New Zealand. Uh, excuse me. He's from New Zealand. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. We said a couple of weeks or two ago, Joel was from Australia, and he's not. He's from New Zealand. Second time I'm correcting it. There's no way about this.
1: It was you. I know where Joel's from.
0: So I'm just misleading everybody all the time. (laughs) And I know he's from New Zealand because we had to mail him his, you know his merch yeah. for joining the Patreon. Thank you for joining the Patreon. That's Joel.
1: why I know where he's from.
2: <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, but I
0: figured since I would call
2: him back in anyway, I'd just say that since I was to the rest of your yeah, my ESCAPE episodes and everything, um, every time you talk about how much of a load of bullshit health and wealth theology is, it makes my heart happy. So, yeah, that's all. <laughs> uh, we share a lot of the same views on a lot of those kinds of things. It makes me happy listening to you guys process through that on the podcast so yeah anyway that's all i'll keep listening talk to you later guys bye
0: so i felt that that was an important voicemail for for me to play for you just so you know like yeah we don't know a lot about music yeah and we don't know a lot about theology right but we do a reliance (laughs) k podcast and we do get people We got at least one person calling to thank us on our, you know, view. I wouldn't say our takes because we don't understand stuff well enough half the time to really have takes, but our views on some of the things that we were taught. And we can only talk about the things we were taught and the things that we see. And Connor appreciates that. I never really know uh, how people feel about our theological takes and stuff. Because, (laughs) I mean, for sure, over the last really over the last year I feel like in quarantine a lot just like constantly being online because what else could you do but for sure in like the last two or three years um, being plugged into this community of all of these podcasts and Facebook groups and Instagram where all of these people of the gener- this generation that I was connected with of like youth group kids and everyone's kind of landed now in their 30s or their 40s And all have kind of different takes on how they look back. Some people feel very damaged by the church and different takes on things. And some people feel very um, hurt by, like, some of the things that were kind of, like, forced on them uh, philosophically and thought-wise and, like, purity rings and all that stuff. I've realized as I've listened to—and, you know, other people have come through and and realized they still have a strong faith in God and they have in Christ and they have— very specific beliefs, and they don't necessarily blame, like, mainstream Christian culture and American viewpoints and, you know, conservatism. They still have their God. And it's interesting to see everyone coming out of the end of 2000s, 90s Christian youth group culture, and we've all got these different points of views. But as I've listened to people talk about these things online, in all these different formats, I realized that, like, I really, like, went through my youth group phase pretty unscathed as far as, like, religious trauma, right? Like, I didn't—I just look back now, and I realize, like, you know, my parents were Catholic— before i was born and they became born again like the year i was born and in massachusetts in new england in the 80s being born again christian was an entirely different thing in a mostly catholic geographical region and i think the type of like mainline conservative what's now called evangelical culture has spread across the whole country and into new england when i go home i see that more but it wasn't around when i was a kid as much and the churches that i went to where i discovered youth groups exist and christian punk exists and, and purity culture exists like that was like an after school thing for me at the time later on in high school. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I wasn't raised in those churches. I found those churches kind of on my own. Cause I went to private schools later and I was like, Oh, this is cool. I like these bands and stuff. And I like going to soul fest and all that stuff. But I wasn't like, I was, I didn't live deeply in it. And a lot of this time that I spent there was my choice yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And I certainly thought things that I look back and was taught things and accepted them that I realize I don't believe now in terms of like homophobia and views on abortion and stuff like that and women's rights and things like that. But still like that was a flash in the pan in terms of my life compared to how I've realized so many other people. And I was I've always been born again. I've always I I was like raised in a Christian church. It just wasn't the kind of Christian church that like had to take over your where they felt the need to like take over your whole life and like make you have testaments and only go to the Christian businesses. There was no Christian business list for the region in our church. And you just went to church on Sunday and Wednesday and that was it. You, You know, you might have special gatherings and meals and stuff, but it wasn't like, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I sort of have, Kind of a, a similar background, but even even less, I guess, uh, sh- sort of structured maybe. is That's not quite the word for it than you, but it's definitely like I was raised sort of in like uh, more accepting, more like open, kind of looser churches. Right. And so it was definitely like we went to church every Sunday. My mom did some stuff with the women's things maybe like once a month or whenever that was. And I started doing some youth group stuff in like middle school and we did you know little like missionary local outreach things and then in high school again it was also like no one was like jessica go to youth group it was like i wanted to I used to be very spiritual growing up and that as my own choice. Mm -hmm. It was except when I was in like elementary school, I hated going to church because I didn't like dressing up because I was a tomboy (laughs) and my mom would make me wear like a dress and tights every week and I hated it so I was always like as a kid I was like I hate church because I have to get dressed up for it I love doing the arts and crafts and I like sitting around and hearing these great stories that's totally my jam but I hate getting dressed up for it that's my jam so yeah and then it was like yeah it was always my choice like going to youth group was my choice there was no one being like you have to do this or you have to listen to this kind of music it was like if my mom happened to be in the Christian bookstore I would like wander around and if I found something I wanted I would get it there was definitely no like this is what you have to believe this is what you have to learn and I've talked about it before where the, the f- very first time sort of something came up in my youth group that I disagreed with I was like yeah I'm kind of done with this youth group <laughs> Like I was already going to be graduating and going off to college. So it wasn't really a big deal that I just didn't come back for the last few months. So it was, you know,
0: yeah,
1: I definitely have a a different way of looking at 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 spirituality. And then I sort of had my own crisis of faith Mm -hmm. now since then. It's funny because I actually and this is something I don't believe I've ever brought up before. I wanted to go to seminary when I was younger. I wanted to go to film school, and then after I graduated, I wanted to like get established in like a film career, and then eventually go back to seminary. And that is something that I have like zero desire or intention to do now. But you're yeah. you're
0: like the opposite of, uh, of Martin Scorsese because he was going to go, <laughs> and I don't remember what you call it in the Catholic faith, but he was going to like learn to he was going to enter the the priesthood the priesthood. Yeah, or work towards it, or if there's something that comes before the priesthood, he was working towards that, and then he gave that up for film instead. So it's funny, you were like, I'm going to go to film school, and then... Well, I had um, my big dreams,
1: and then I had the, the my, like, those were my S-tier and then- <laughs> dreams, and then I had, like, my A-tier dreams. If you had kept then-
0: with it, you could be making Kirk Cameron movies today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh.
1: Man, what a missed opportunity there. <laughs>
0: Well, I think that uh this kind of fits because this is a very traumatic song we're talking about this week, Sahara, <laughs> and to talk about the fact that we don't have like a lot of specific religious trauma, but looking back on my life now and thinking about like all that you know that stuff and those conversations I've seen and people who have been hurt by different ways of thinking in Christian mainline churches, uh, I was like i wasn't you know wasn't hurt by that stuff But then I think about it I'm like, but I was very hurt by like my, very traumatized by like my parents in terms of like social problems. (laughs) But I don't know how much I want to get into that. I've been analyzing it a lot. We've been working on ourselves a lot recently, like mentally, especially after the pandemic to kind of like get our minds back in place and stuff. Um, Yeah,
1: we might not know a lot about like the switch from the B chords to the A chords and exactly what Pro Tools thing they used here and there. But you know what? If you're still listening to us, that's not why you come here. That's not why you listen. You listen because this is, Dan's in my form of therapy every week. Yes.
0: This is our therapy. <laughs> that should be our new uh, slogan for the podcast. This is our therapy. So I just realized like a lot of my like actual like social trauma came from the fact that my like my parents had no idea <laughs> like how to give me tools to like interact with People super well. I don't think my parents listen. I don't think anyone who listens, I don't think my sister <laughs> listens. I can talk about it with them if they need me to. It's not like I blame them for anything, but I'm realizing like the equivalent of religious trauma comes from the fact that like my parents like never taught me how to talk to girls never like gave me the confidence that it's okay to talk to girls they never said you know you got to be pure and good or whatever they implied i should do that stuff but then like it was never a risk because i didn't know how to talk to girls and there was never like you know son you should you know let the girl know you like her it was like i just was given nothing and i just clammed up and i've been so socially awkward and As, like, a a lot of the pain, like, the worst memories of my childhood come from the fact that, like, I didn't know how to, like, be around people, specifically girls or anything. And, like, so that's just the tip of the iceberg and stuff we've been working through recently in our personal lives. But it ties to this song because this song is about, like, trauma and, and like, uh, regrets and, like, self-inflicted pain and also anger and the feeling that something outside of yourself has inflicted pain upon you it's it's relying k's most traumatic song so i don't even know how much more i want to get into those personal things when they barely specifically tie into it it's just the song did unlock some like things in me about regrets in life and stuff like that
1: this is a bad boyfriend Teeson song. No, actually, it's a worst boyfriend Teeson <laughs> song,
0: right? <laughs> like this is as you kind of hinted at the top of the show, when we brought the song a little early. And I was saying like, this is like, if forget not slow down is a story. This is like the end of the second half of the second act. Yeah, this is like the darkest of the dark. Songs and I always thought like it's a fun rocker song, like it's not particularly downbeat musically. But when you really and it's sure he's yelling and stuff, but there's so much like hardcore music and stuff where it's not actually. I'm talking about in the whole world, like there's hardcore music and metal music where it sounds aggressive, but you might look at the lyrics and it's not actually that aggressive or that angry or whatever. This is like sort of the opposite of that. Like the music just sounds really fast and cool, and he's kind of screaming. But he's just he's it sounds like he's more passionate. But then you dig into the lyrics and you realize, like, this is the most effed up or line K song. Like, in some ways, this is more like, well, like Deathbed is is uh, difficult. It's like a difficult to listen to for people such as yourself. But we also learned other people who listen to the show. But that's still a song on the basis of hope. This feels like a song about complete despair. Yeah. Like I don't know how many other Relying K songs, it still has those inklings of hope, like hoping someone will get to him f- first or get to the lion. For we haven't even dug into the lyrics just yet, but hoping someone will get to him first before he dies of thirst. There's that little bit of hope there. There's not complete despair, but it is the most despairing song I've probably we've, we've hit upon doing this podcast.
1: It's, it's definitely just very emotionally raw. It's yeah. very personal.
0: Yeah. So I always understood that um, we're doing this song this week because two reasons. Uh, we were like, well, we did Africa last week, and it's kind of like a tie-in. We could do this because Sahara and the lion and stuff kind of ties in neatly into a two-week little theme. Uh, if we did Lion-O next week, it would be a nice little continued theme. But then the other reason we did it is because when uh, John Schneck tweeted that he was, you know, at the 1981 studios, well, they're not studios, but the 1981 headquarters, and was there with hoops, and they were practicing, they were kind of like jamming out to Sahara. So if anyone doesn't remember what that sounds like, it sounds like this. Did we play it last week? Maybe we didn't. Did we play the audio of Schneck and hoops? I know we talked about it. I can't
1: remember if we inserted it
0: or not. So here's that audio in case we didn't play it last week. No memory if we did or didn't. And that's it. So it's just 13 seconds of them just kind of practicing that little part of the song. So... This is a song that recently got everyone hyped. You know, like people were so excited. Yeah. At this point, it's 254 likes on Schneck's tweet for 40 retweets and 34 replies. With I'm sure lots of replies under those replies. Um, oh, and that reminds me, for other top of the show business, I completely forgot. But we did get a this is this wasn't from Schneck. So somebody reached out to us who was in direct contact with Teeson about the Machine Gun Kelly song. And they found out that Mattieston did not work on the song at all. That it was just Machine Gun Kelly and the guy from Sleeping with Sirens, who I can never Kellen something. They just wrote the song. It sounded like Be My Escape. So Mattieston gets a call from his like manager or somebody, and it's like, hey, you're getting a check and writing credit from. Uh, I don't even know. If, I don't think the thing said check actually. It just said you're getting writing credits. For this new Machine Gun Kelly song. And that's all there was to it. Like, t didn't know about it until the deal was done or being done.
1: Gotcha. So that
0: was cool to get some information about that. But anyway, Sahara. So the song is, like, hyped right now in the Reliant K community. I always was under the impression that this is a big song. And it certainly seems like it. But spoiler warning, I was shocked to find that there's essentially nothing on YouTube... About this. There's really.
1: No Lion King FMVs?
0: Nothing. What? No, not only. Like, there's so much that could happen and should happen with this song. What's that cat
1: thing? That young adult cat thing that everybody loves? Yeah. Where's that at? Those things are always dying. Those things are
0: always dying and having their crowns taken off (laughs) and stuff. Like, what the heck? No, I was shocked. Like, I remember, like, when we picked this song, I was like, oh, I better start my Sahara research soon because it's probably going to be a lot. Nope. Seriously, there's like three or four covers, and they're all really bad covers, and I don't mean anyone's efforts, but I mean the recording is really bad. One's a—we're not—I don't know if we're going to play them, because one's a very, very, very awkward person singing directly into their camera vocal cover— Uh, Another one is like a band performing uh, with the cameras way too far away. It's some sort of talent show type thing, and you can barely hear it. Like I was shocked. There's no no acoustic covers. There's no like anyone attempting anything. And then very like one or two or like two or three animated AMVs or like people making fan lyric videos. There's nothing like that. And I guess having done this podcast. As we do this, you know, in the format that we do this show, I kind of judge the metric of a song's popularity by how much derivative fan work there is around it. Sure. And when I don't find any, I'm like shocked and I'm like, maybe this song, I think this song might have a cult within the Reliant K fan community, but I don't think that this song in and of itself is huge. As as huge as I thought it was to the overall Reliant K fan community. I'm sure a lot of people out there right now listening to this who love Sahara are like, no, no, I love Sahara. (laughs) And you probably had conversations with your friends and you all love Sahara. But I'm just saying, doing my regular research, you know what? This is the first forget and not slow down song we've done where I came up with this problem, I think. Maybe I'm forgetting one, but Forget not Slow down is such a huge album and it's so short when you take out the outros and the and the interstitials and stuff that every song should have like a massive amount of fan derivative works and this one just didn't i was shocked to find that because yeah, i really do a, like this song it was
1: a really short deep dive as well although there is like an entire novel written on song meaning oh, so wow.
0: <laughs> and oh there's very very little on uh genius there's yeah. only one specific which i guess i'll just get into now but there's only one specific cause, did you get it did you get I the did, genius yeah link? i saw it. well as long as i'm bringing it up let's run to it we it's, can run
1: over the lyrics while we're here too. Okay. run them over. We can go over the <laughs> lyrics while we're here. Well,
0: it's, it's also like one of Reliant K's most gory and violent songs. That's what makes it. It's their most transgressive song. And it's not like super violent, uh, like, uh, like death rock or something. You know Name. what I mean? But it does have these hints of like gory uh, symbolism that I was kind of shocked when I realized what exactly they were.
1: Before we get there, just a note that this song features Tim Skipper of House of Heroes, Aaron Gillespie of The Almost, and Matt McDonald of The Classic Crime.
0: Oh, okay. Um, So the only genius note, and there's not even like a main genius note, annotation. Excuse me. I should know better. There's no main annotation for the song overall. There's only one annotation for Towards the End of the Song. Just take these bones and bring them back to life. And uh, this genius said, This could possibly be a reference to the story in the Bible of Ezekiel in the desert, whose dry bones were brought back to life. This Bible reference is probable given Reliant K is often characterized as a Christian rock band. Now, I often poo-poo, like, people who try to put, like, deep religious symbolism on certain Reliant K lyrics, but this is a case where, like, I totally see that, and that feels valid. Maybe it's the uh, coyness in which this annotator wrote it. Like, they didn't say, obviously this is a reference to the story of Ezekiel, but the fact that they were, like, at least just presenting it, because so many genius and song meetings will say obviously this is a reference to the book of whatever chapter you know and then that just immediately makes me think well don't tell me obviously let me decide if it makes sense
1: sorry i got distracted just thinking about how many cat songs reliant k has oh there's a ton there's so many there's cat cat yeah there's
0: lion o there's uh
1: thundercats
0: thundercats there's the one with the main coon cat butter lettuce salad that song (laughs) sleeping (laughs) <laughs> i just want to call it butter lettuce salad uh There's this one's this a hairy. song
1: we're at five
0: let me go to i have that uh that's that lyric searching tool if i can run to that real quick then i can figure out a few more uh i wonder if we have done the main cat songs by this they also have two songs that reference horses as well they have may the horse be with you and they have uh The only thing worse than beating on a dead horse is breaking its legs and telling it who's boss. That's just going to be my thing forever. I'm always going to make up a version of the title of that song. Uh, My lyric search tool is giving me guff tonight. Okay, cat. Uh, Shoot. You know what? My lyric search tool doesn't work because I forgot the way it's set up any word that's in the title of a song it accidentally thinks it's that words in every song it's a google advanced search that i saved and in the advanced search is the title of every song it doesn't work i can't look up just the word cat so i'm googling reliant k cat songs (laughs) And again, all I get is the lyrics to the song "Cat." Yeah. So let us know what we're forgetting. There's Liono, a Lion Wilson, which is an outro to "I Am Liono" or an intro, kind of about a cat. There's no lyrics in it. Um, still counts. Still counts. Sahara Cat, butter lettuce salad, which is called sleeping to some people. <laughs> uh and i guess that's all we can think of that's right now.
1: okay because i always call lion o thundercats i'm like that's a thundercat song <laughs> it's called thundercats
0: the chorus is i'm lion o oh. that's the chorus so that's the lyric that's the name of the song that's, that's although the chorus is also not thundercats yeah Whoa. yeah yeah you know what okay it's two choruses yeah there's two hooks actually there's two hooks in that song man K. what the heck two hooks in one song greedy greedy is it the pride (laughs) is that the pride that brought you down so i always heard this song and to be honest uh like i like this song but i don't love it and excluding interlude tracks this is probably for me hope no one gets mad because every song on forget not slow down is a great song it's a front to back perfect album but this is just the song that ends up in last place for me you know what i mean and it's it's not it's not for not trying it's just this i like every other song on this album more this is like the rockiness song on the album obviously and i guess it kind of fits in the sequencing as we talked about if you think of this as like the darkest night of the soul for the character of the album which is matt tyson himself uh, we know from like every interview about this album. But the, you know, it's it's not f- for me to like be like, oh, this song's rocking and therefore it's the best. Like I, I actually like sort of the things like Over It and Therapy, things that are a little like, not soft, but things that are a little more... Those are grooving songs. Those are grooving songs. And I like the faster songs in the vein of the first three songs, like in songs like Candlelight and Forget and Not Slow Down. And uh, stuff like that. <laughs>
1: yeah, this has always been uh, for, for an album that I think is a perfect album. This would be the one song where I would, where I it previously I would say is like my least favorite. I can definitely look at it and like respect it and really enjoy it mm-hmm. for what it is. And this is a song that I definitely have turned around on like recently sort of like where I kind of turned around on Forget Not Slow Down as a whole around our Savannah episode because that's when I really started diving into the album and getting really into it. And this would sort of be that one song where occasionally I would skip it just if I was not in the mood for that particular kind of vibe.
0: Right. Uh, This song also came up, uh, speaking of Daniel. When we did Devastation and Reform, and I said Devastation Reform has always felt to me like the heaviest Reliant K song. Daniel mentioned a couple other songs. Sorry, I don't remember them all, but he did mention Sahara as a contender to say, here's another song that feels that heavy. But it doesn't feel that as, as heavy as Devastation Reform to me. Uh, I can't put... Words to it, even though that's my job as a podcaster. <laughs> but I would say like, devastation reform just feels thicker in the guitar sound, and this is very heavy, but it still has that uh, sort of indie rock feel of the rest of the album, and it it's it's the most rockin' raucous song on this track list but it's just it still doesn't feel as heavy to me as devastation and reform um but yeah so i never like i got the gist of it i got the gist of the lyrics my whole life um or as much of my life as forget not slow down has existed but i i you know i got the metaphors lion on his side obviously like lion is laying there's multiple times where the lyrics kind of invert it's like the lion on his side you're lying on your side and it's a lion and then later he's lying I get all the wordplay but I didn't really get the story I didn't get the thrust of the Mm -hmm. story I got the general sense that knowing it's a breakup album that's Obviously, this is some sort of thing like a, the king of the jungle, like the king, the animal, the lion is a metaphor for a proud animal that feels like it, the king of its domain. And something has happened where this powerful, what felt like a powerful adult grown animal is now dying because then he says, I felt like a cub, you know, so obviously he's relating himself to a powerful figure, in this case, a lion being killed. But I never saw all the nuance in terms of like uh, the gore in the song, well, that's what shocked me the most was like the like the getting his vacant the thoughts beneath his vacant crown being fed on. Well, that was, that means like birds are feeding on this cat's brain, and it's not a literal cat, you know. So I don't feel bad thinking like this is like I don't picture an actual cat in my brain in my mind beneath my non-vacant crown. <laughs> I don't picture an actual cat. I know it's a metaphor. I know he's talking about himself. But I just never... And, and like, he's being picked apart by the vultures because he's, like, completely lost his sense of what he had. But I just never thought the words vacant crown and the thoughts are feasted upon. It's like something's eating brains. (laughs) I was like, this is the only Reliant K song I think exists that there's a metaphor for brain-eating...
1: Yeah, so do you want to just go over all the lyrics real quick? Sure. Verse one Lying on my side, knowing of thirst is how I'll die. Chalk on my tongue. Lying on the night, beneath the dunes is where I lie to block the sun.
0: Hold real quick. So, two things that are painting a story there chalk on my tongue. Like, I just assume, like, his tongue is so dry that it's yeah, turned to chalk. Yeah, you can feel that. I, when I hear the phrase chalk on my tongue with before I dug deep into the song, it would make me think of like the like ugh, I got chalk on my tongue. Like you're you're doing uh, billiards or something, or right. you're doing a uh, ballet. You're doing the sawhorse and you chalk up your hands and you get some on your. I never did ba- ballet. I never did ballet. Gymnastics. But my si- oh, you're right. We'll just leave that in. I don't care. Whatever. My sister did gymnastics yeah. and I watched. You know, they chalk yes. up their hands and stuff. Yeah. It was fun because I was a kid and I didn't do gymnastics, but like, like you know. When the moms were at the gymnastics place where my sister went, uh, when the moms were all talking and everyone was done, I would, like, sneak into the foam square pit. Like, that that pit <laughs> yes. of foam squares that yeah, the girls would land in. Yeah, I used to do gymnastics,
1: in. too. Yeah. So, yes, I know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> or, like, jump on the things. And, like, the employees didn't want us doing that. Right. But they didn't, like... Stop us as much as if it was like a Chuck E. Cheese, and you had gotten in without like paying or you know whether without getting your hand stamped. Um, so I always thought I'd hear chalk on my tongue, think it'll gross chalk in his tongue, but it's like no, it means his tongue is so dry it has turned to chalk, and that's gross. I uh, never sussed out what this first verse was. I never have sung along really to this
1: song. Right, like I've never really until this week really looked at the
0: words. I'm like.
1: Yeah, lion and his pride. Something about the king of beasts bringing him down. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's such
0: a it's such a it's such such a quick narrative picture painted. Uh, I need to read the line again. Um, lying on the night beneath the dunes is where I lie to block the sun. So lying on the night, lying as if laying down, not lying in the other ways. But like the, the, just the words lion on the night is kind of weird. If you hear that on its own, you're like, what? But then beneath the dunes is where I lie to block the sun. So you can imagine like you're roasting in the sun and you find the one tiny shady spot under on the far side of a dune to just get some relief from like c- constant death from above of the sun. Yeah,
1: it really paints a vivid picture. Yeah. Trying to ignite some sort of passion from inside to overcome. This feeling of desertion can't be worse than never having anyone.
0: And that's kind of where it comes back to being a relationship song. That's yeah. kind of where you break the metaphor a little bit on purpose a little bit. Kind of break the dream because...
1: But we also have the lyric lyrics later where it says that he's brought down by his pride, which could mean you know, his, his like lion group or, you know, is it his own, you know, pride and not in the literal, not in the metaphorical. Right. And then we get to the chorus. So I'll ask one thing, just one thing of you. Don't ever turn me loose. Even when I turn my back. Verse two, a lion on his side. Was it the lying or his pride, which brought him down? Once the King of Beasts, but now they feast on the thoughts beneath his vacant crown. Trying to decide, was it the lying or the pride which brought it down? To be alone, to be dethroned, believe me, I know all about it now.
0: So this part is interesting in terms of a lot of the rest of the album, where so much of the album feels like being a breakup album. This feels like the most uh, penitent Of having really had a part in the breakup. You know what I mean? Especially in a song like If You Believe Me, which we haven't done yet. But when you hear the bass, and maybe when we dig deep into If You Believe Me, I'll find it's about something different than what I initially think. But it seems to be like, believe me, I love you. I didn't do the things you think I did. Or we should stay together. Believe me that this us not breaking up is what we need to do. You know what I mean? But then here he's like saying there was lying and there was pride so it feels like the most like saying like you know something happened and uh, it's I, I'm at fault here. Or I, this you know, this I is have the most fault.
1: taking the blame like the right. most like stepping up and accepting the wrongs and being like I was wrong I messed up.
0: When I'm, fo- when I'm focused too much on a song I often have trouble like properly uh, pulling out what other song i'm thinking of but what's there's one on here and a bad fan i just can't think of it where it's like they uh it's it kind of like he was blaming her friends like they have no idea what you'll lose is it over it i think i think it might be over it yeah i just googled it and it's over it yeah, yeah. so like in a song like over it there's a moment where he's there's blame there's fingers being pointed at the friends of the person of, of the girl and then, But this is, like, the most finger-pointing at the self of what happened in this desertion and breakup. and
1: Which is why I always say that this is, like, to me, this album is a rock opera in that it is going through all those, like, stages of grief mm-hmm. after a breakup is because this, you are in the anger stage right here, clearly. Right. But it's anger at the self. It's not anger pointed towards anyone on the outside. It's definitely, like... I'm so mad. Like, I messed this thing up. Like, I take the fault.
0: Right. And the thing is, in real life, a a relationship becomes complicated. and, And it can be difficult when something ends. And you can point fingers and blame. Not just relationships, but all kinds of things that end badly you can point fingers and figure out who's to blame. And ultimately, you usually discover that everyone's to blame. You know, everyone has a piece of it. And there might be someone that's more to blame or something. But the process is you go through and you start to figure out. And so this album is like that process. It's like each song is kind of examining different elements of the crumbling of a relationship and figuring out who's to blame. Is it about blame? Like every possible way it's it's a lot different than say an incel band pop punk band who writes a song about this girl doesn't love me what the hell's wrong with her you know what i mean where those kind of bands write those kind of like poppy pop punk songs those whiny pop punk songs and the, the the theme homegrown which i went on the zeitgeist slab podcast and i talked about the band homegrown i'm like every one of their uh love songs blames the girl blames the girl blames the girl blames the girl and then they'll sometimes write a song that's from the point of view of getting broken up with and they blame the girl but blame the girl and it's like but then they'll break up with a girl in a song and it's like well i'm breaking up with you because you're so crazy and stuff you know what i mean so it's it's but it's that's the immaturity of 90s pop punk what we have here is the maturity Of adult contemporary (laughs) pop rock.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and when I say acceptance, I don't mean acceptance that the relationship is over, because clearly that's not what we're getting here, since it has the lines of don't ever turn me loose even when I turn my back. Right. So it's just acceptance of fault, uh, that there is fault on yourself, that you are... That you should be held accountable. And, and and maybe even being too hard on yourself, whether you deserve to be too hard on yourself or not, is another story. But we all go through that, where it's like, what did I do? I did something wrong. You know, I was an ass. Please, like, forgive me. It's, right. it's on me. I get it. Don't turn me loose. Even when I turn my back, I'm just so mad right now. I'm mad at me. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at the situation. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Bridge. I never told you then that I'd be easy to love. Supposedly, I'm a man, but I felt like a cub. I wandered into the plains, further and farther away, not ever knowing that I'd never come back the same. As my organs gave way, I swear I felt something burst. It's been 13 days, and I'm dying of thirst. (laughs) For the birds, I pray. I pray that someone else will get here first. I'm not alone. I'll be all right. Just take these bones
0: and bring them back to life. So there's actual, I don't know if this is accurate to the truth of the people involved, but I'm just saying what I end up picturing from these lines is lion. these lions, these lines, these lyrics, especially this ties back to, um, when we did at least we made it this far and i had what i think is an epiphany that a couple of the songs on burn the b-sides the nashville tennessee P section i think were songs in development for this album specifically where do i go from here when we did that song we it was the lyrics are so abstract in that song more abstract than most other reliant case songs that in that episode we literally just we couldn't figure out what the song was about then when we did At Least We Made It This Far, I had an epiphany that I'm like, wait, that song, I think, is about the relationship from Forget and Not Slow Down right before they broke up. Like, at least we made it this far. And because a lot of that song is about him being on tour and looking forward to coming back to her. So then I feel like this is the dark side of the coin. This is like the Harvey Dent 2 face coin, the side that's scratched up. This is the, this is like, I'm wondering if the desert is imagery to like going out on tour and being away. And that, that cause of like friction of like not being together to, that leads to breakup and stuff.
1: It's interesting that they use the, that, that he uses the desert imagery here. And then in, uh, where do I go from here? It's Mm -hmm. I'm so tired of the cold, baby. I don't like the snow. Yes.
0: I'm so tired of the cold. I'm so tired of the snow. And like, calling her on the phone or I'm so
1: tired of the snow. I don't like the cold. Either way, you have more winter imagery versus you have this very stark, hot imagery in this song. He's out
0: there in the world without her when they're still technically together and he's cold. But now that they're not together and he's still out there, he's lost and he's burning to death like he's in hell. (laughs) Like, I don't know if these were deliberate uh, constructs in the way these songs were conceived. But they're interesting to kind of make these connections now.
1: And then we go back to the chorus. So I'll ask one thing, just one thing of you. Don't ever turn me loose. So I'll ask one thing, just one thing of you. Don't ever turn me loose, even when I turn my back.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I feel bad for the lion, even though I said it's not a real lion. (laughs) It's like a nature documentary (laughs) where you're like, oh, no. I saw this meme that was really funny where it was like, it's one of those meme formats where it's like the guy smiling in one frame and he looks like disappointed or upset in the second frame and the first frame where he's smiling and it says uh when when a deer gets eaten in a lion documentary and then the second one where he looks upset is this when a deer gets eaten in a deer documentary. Did you get it? Did I explain I could, that correctly? Yes,
1: I get it. I get it. I like to just stay away from all nature documentaries because I, I know there's going to be upsetting stuff. What was that
0: nature-related thing that we... Oh, it was one Headspace. of those Help You Sleep Headspace.
1: It, it was the, the Headspace, which... Great app. Not sponsored by Headspace at all, but... <laughs> we should be. Y- yeah, you should. Since this is Sadie our therapy. Headspace pod. Yeah. Um, Headspace is a great app. I've been using it for a couple of years now and if you just want to check them out, they have two different Promo Netflix code, series. Promo code Hawkins pod. They have two different Netflix series I think that the sleep one is really helpful because they give you sleep tips and then they have little exercises that you can do. Um, so they have this thing called the wake up where every morning they give you a thing like John Legend on certain days teaches you about music and how music affects your brain and things like that. And it's a lot of fun. And so they have different ones like that, like how to take care of your house plants and things like that. And so they have ones where it's a nature thing to teach you about permanence. And so which of course, impermanence So, somebody with a lot of anxiety is definitely something that I should be listening to, but they, they tie it to nature. And so sometimes it does actually give me anxiety instead of soothing me. Even though the narrator's voice is lovely, he has a very know, lovely nature man voice. But, but I was <laughs> listening
0: to it with her and she was getting anxious. I'm like, Nothing's going to die in the headspace <laughs> thing. Like, they might hint that it's a possibility, but nothing is going to specifically die in the little story. They
1: actually did show rotting salmon in one of them what? once, because they well, were talking food. about... That's like, food, not friends. <laughs> they were talking about the life course of a salmon and, like, how interesting their journey is, and so they did show their full life cycle. Okay. And then the one that I was watching was not actually... It was not about impermanence. It was a different one. It was about like otters and baby otters. And it was very cute. And I don't remember what the lesson was. But I think I was the baby otter nervous. one
0: might have been the one I heard with you. Yeah,
1: That's the one you it heard was. With I'm me, like, yeah. there's
0: no way they're going to. That's it. That was Because I one, said yeah. you were getting upset. And I'm like, honey, there's no way they're <laughs> killing the baby otter. <laughs> The metaphorical, but I had already been
1: burned by the salmon one, (laughs) so I was like, Yeah, but did they connect you
0: to the cuteness of the salmon before they killed it? I mean, they showed you them hatching and everything. Mm -hmm. Oh, what do I know? What am I talking about? (laughs) Salmon is delicious. I like in like two years ago, I realized salmon's my favorite food, except now I'm trying to be vegan and I am not succeeding, but doing a little better at being vegetarian, but still, Sam. Pescatarian. I want to be pescatarian because salmon's my favorite food. Salmon skin sushi? It's weird, but I there are these, like, chips. Uh, because on, on the Five Iron Frenzy Facebook group, it's a very common thing if you find any kind of, like, gross food. Not just, like, sloppy, like, mounds of random crap, but, like, something that's meant as a delicacy for someone, but it seems like a bad, gross idea and a company came out with like salmon skin pork rinds Ew. and I was like that's even a little too much for me although I definitely would try <laughs> of course <this>. you would
1: <laughs> it's gross he always orders that and he's like do you want one and I'm like no no thank you because I've had I've tried one before and I'm not a fan
0: so let's go to our break sponsored by Headspace and salmon skin pork rinds <laughs> we'll be right back If you enjoy Sadie Hawkins Pod,
1: please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and interact with the show by calling our voicemail line 40295-SADIE.
0: You can send an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com and visit our Instagram and Twitter, which are both at Sadie Hawkins Pod.
1: You can also visit SadieHawkinsPod.com for the link to our Public store for shirts, mugs, and stickers, including two brand new designs, following in the history of all of Reliant K's logo parody merch. We have a Chick-fil-A parody design.
0: And to prove to everyone that we are in fact the most punk rock podcast, we have a new Black Flag logo parody. You know, something that's original and that we could really call our own for once.
1: We also want to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod.
0: There's JR, Jarrett, Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Helen, Samantha, Roxanne, Jimmy Eat Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, David, and Brady. You can sign up at our Patreon for bonus episodes, which include us reviewing the songs from ks for karaoke and reading through the Complex Infrastructure book. Ooh! Treat yourself right in 2021 with Sadie Hawkins Pod, the door to a happy, healthy life.
2: So you like Reliant K, do you? Well, what about They Might Be Giants? My name is Greg Simpson and I host a They Might Be Giants fan podcast. And it's called This Might Be a Podcast This Might Be a Podcast is a song-by-song podcast featuring a different guest every episode from normal fans like you and I, but also I've had guests such as John Darnielle of The Mountain Goats, Justin McElroy of My Brother, My Brother and Me, Hutch Harris of The Thermals, Mike Park of Asian Man Records, Franz Nikolai of The Hold Steady, and Danny Weinkoff and Marty Beller of They Might Be Giants, and past drummers Dan Hickey and Brian Doherty. Search for Punk News or This Might Be a Podcast on any podcast platform and you will find us. This Might Be a Podcast brought to you by
0: news.org. So we're going to go out of order from our usual order this week. We're going to come back from the break and go directly into my segment and we'll end on Jessica's segment. Because as I said, there's really nothing this week in the YouTube deep dive. There was nothing on Bandcamp. There was nothing on SoundCloud. Um, And there was just a few things on YouTube, so we'll do those real quick. We do luckily have, from Joel, who lives in New Zealand, he sent us two uh, rave DJs. So I have to break out the laptop, because rave (laughs) DJs are really hard to play directly from the rave DJ app on the phone. So this is... Yeah, listen
1: to those mouse clicks.
0: (laughs) I know remember these these are from the early in the podcast back in like the first 50 episodes you used to hear this a lot um so let me see i've already lost okay so this is joel's mashup with sahara and sunrise by our last night a reminder to anyone because we don't talk about rave dj all the time we bring it up once in a while but it's ai generated mashups you type in two songs that are available on youtube or spotify and an ai analyzes the beats and tries to make a mashup so that's pretty cool
1: yeah guess- yeah that was that was pretty good yeah
0: that was um like i said that was with sunrise the song sunrise by the band R last night And then this one is the last one here of these. It's the song Monster by the band Skillet matched up with (laughs) Sahara. Nice.
1: Yeah, that one was great. That sounds really good. That's <laughs> really the most does. I've ever
0: enjoyed Skillet in my yeah. <laughs> life. I, I'm not a Skillet fan. I've seen them live at, at Soulfest before. but uh,
1: And we got a little bit of the uh, the Nightcore version of this yeah, song in there. Yeah, I
0: meant to make that myself and I forgot. <laughs> um, but I love the video because in this... If, Rave, <laughs> if you pick the official music video, Rave DJ will also... It'll notice if you picked... Like a upload like an official upload with no motion in the video, and it won't bother trying to show it. But if it n- figures out you uploaded the official music video, it'll try to mash up the visuals as well. So we've only got the visuals of the monster by Skillet music video, it's funny. and it's pretty funny. it's yeah. like it's like a science fiction film, but it's like in a CW <laughs> it's like in. guy
1: like like ripping out of his
0: band aids. But then he well, then underneath I mean, he's just like an and... Abercrombie model yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I'm too pretty. <laughs> what have you done to me? It's like that Twilight Zone episode. Uh Signy Blandford. Oh, yeah. This barely ever comes up anymore. Here's Signy Blandford's cover. Which to remind everyone is not a real cover. It's just like stock music uploaded as a fake lyric video for all kinds of unrelated pop songs. That's it. <laughs> and then, I guess, and then real quick, uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm not even going to play these covers because they just don't sound good or anything. And, we don't um, usually
1: get Signe Blandford. We usually get... Um... Not Aisha Taylor, not Ksenia Solo.
0: What is the name that we usually get? No, we? She, she, she her, that channel got deleted, remember? Oh,
1: that's right. I can't remember
0: her name anymore. And we say her as if it's not just a <laughs> bot that uploads these like <laughs> videos that have nothing to do with anything.
1: We don't know the bot's pronouns. It's terrible of
0: us. I know. You know what? We went so out of order that I'm supposed to start with relying K footage and yeah. then go to covers and Yeah, you stuff. really
1: threw me, but I was like, all right, we're switching it up. I'm, we are I'm here for it. it. We are switching it up. Oh, off. no. No, 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 no. So... No, no. This
0: next one is uploaded by Ninja Films. Natalie L. on YouTube uploaded what is essentially a sort of interpretive dance or an interpretive performance because it's one camera, one real low-res camera Back in 2009, so the album is brand new. New Year's Eve, 2009, of all times.
1: What is she laying in? Are those French fries? <laughs> oh, I thought She's it was pills. Wearing
0: her 2009 sort of alti-esque clothes and laying in what I guess are supposed to be organs, but it's like ribbons. I think they're ribbons representing the organs or the brains that are coming out of the character. And then she gets up and just starts lip-syncing directly to the video. Somebody's holding the video camera and she's just deeply lip-syncing everything. Grabbing her, you know, holding her hands to her heart and holding fists to the sky and her hair is across her eye in a very emo-esque way. I hate calling people emo if they're just vaguely emo-esque because, really, they were just wearing a sort of fashion of the time. It's not fair to call someone emo if they were Hey, she might be like, no, I'm an emo girl. You know what? You're right. I might be doing her a disservice. She may self-identify as an emo, Danny. By the way, the house is definitely grandma's house. (laughs) (laughs) It's the most allergen-infested-looking couch you've ever seen.
1: Oh, there's now there's some stuffed animals. She's playing with the fake organs again. Oh, it's a it's a lion stuffed animal. Oh my gosh, is she gonna
0: rip the head off? (laughs) Is she gonna decrown it? So it's fun. It goes about like this for towards the end. I feel like she really had more ideas of how to fill the space and the time in the first minute of the song and didn't really think out how she was going to fill the time towards the end. Like it needed some extra special kind of movement or stuff because it's just a lot of the same movements for the last two minutes. Whereas when she's getting up from the ground. She should have gotten back on the ground or something. Whatever. So there's that. <laughs> so let's Good go. job, Ninja Films. Great job. Also known as Natalie L. So there are there is only one there's only a Final Fantasy AMV and a Inyashua AMV. I also found a different AMV, it would turn out to be a song with the same name by the like band Nightwish. Have you ever heard of Nightwish? I have not heard of Nightwish. I've heard of Nightwish. It is sort of like... This is... That's not it. Here we (laughs) go. It's symphonic metal. I believe it's called symphonic metal. This just sounds like anime music. It does. This is... A lot... There's a lot of... I think there's a lot of symphonic metal in anime scores. But this is Nightwish and it's just... It's actually like a... Very like n- safe metal kind of band, you know what I mean? Uh, and there's that, I don't know what else. To say about that. Um, so we'll go back to relying K footage and then we'll get to your deep dive. So, yeah, the Schneck tweet heard around the world. Um, and this was, of course, played on the 2016 live album. Do you know what? We totally. Glazed over it, and we jumped
1: right to break. We did not talk about the hidden track.
0: I kept thinking about that. I kept thinking <laughs> about it and be like, can't forget to mention Same. the hidden track. Yep. So let's get back to... Real quick,
1: before we get into 2015 Live. Mm-hmm. It's 2016 Live. Sorry,
0: 2016. So this album has a pre-gap track which we've talked about on time it had to come up but pre-gap tracks are when you put a cd into the correct kind of cd player it won't work in any cd player but you put a cd in a cd player and you hit the rewind button not the track back button well it could be the track back button it's a very complicated process even back in the days of cds but you put a cd in your cd player you hit the rewind button before the CD even starts and you actually go to like negative seconds before the first track and there's a little track hidden there but it wouldn't work on every CD player you know what I mean like I had one specific Sony Discman that it would work on but it wouldn't work on my boombox uh I didn't know how to make it work on my computer and so it's funny like not only is there a pre-gap track pre-gap track in 2009 Pretty, pretty interesting because mp3s have completely taken over as was you know prophesized in vinyl countdown but then they have a pre-gap track in 2016 on air for free as well still here's the pre-gap track to forget and not slow down a lion
2: on his side was it the lying or his pride which brought him down
1: Once the king
0: of beasts, but now they feast on the thoughts beneath his vacant crown. The next station is Concord B. Concord B, as in Bravo, Concourse, also- Condor, Concourse, Concourse. Whatever. A <laughs> <laughs> talented family, those TSNs. Yes. Yeah, so it's in- so yeah. There's this pre-gap track, and it'd be great if they release like a special edition. I forget not slow down with it with that track like her be able to be heard yeah <laughs> because they, I have it on my phone because I found a torrent where someone basically put together their own special edition of the whole of the whole CD where they like basically got the pre gap track all the, like the hidden stuff and they condensed the. Sorry I'm downloading torrents of Relying K songs <laughs> when we're your official source of Relying <laughs> K review. Yeah.
1: We're not we're not official. We are not officially endorsed by Relying <laughs> K. No, we're
0: not. No, we're not. We're not at all. <laughs> but uh yeah. Anyway, that's the reason I have it on my phone is because I download off a of torrent. I guess you could get hear it on YouTube. My point is I hope if they do a forget not not slow down anniversary tour, they release a special edition of the album where they take this pre gap track and make it listenable on streaming they did that with the pre-gap track of, of mm-hmm they put it on mm-hmm 20 call with it 10. called the song I do that all the time for some reason I'm constantly adding an extra 10 years to like things all the time. I I made a joke on, on Twitter from our account where I referenced Forget and Not Slow Down being 20 years old and then I figured it out and deleted it before anybody said anything and reposted it. And there's something about the fact that we're in the 20s. Right. That throws me off in terms of numbers. It's a classic Danny swapping out nouns just like can't figure out and just whatever. So yeah, Matt Easton's dad sings that version of the song. It's interesting. I wonder if thematically, if there was a choice there thematically, if it, I wonder if it was just a cool thing they decided to do to get dad involved in the album. Like I know the painting on the cover of the album is by his uncle, is by Matt's uncle. If he just wanted to be like a family thing or is there like a deeper meaning to it being his father singing a short version of that because especially like the reference to thought I was a man but I was a cub you know what I mean? To have your father singing lines from a song that's about you realizing you weren't adult enough to handle a certain situation and blaming yourself for it. I don't know, It's a good question. Especially after I just hinted at that, my parents gave me uh, emotional trauma, which they didn't like act out to do. They didn't be like, Danny, you know, (laughs) they didn't do like Danny, come over here and we're going to yell at you. They were just trying to be the best parents they could be, but there were certain things I needed and they didn't help me with them and stuff like that. Um, I had to grow up all on my own on the streets. (laughs) Me and the boys. We'd figure out how life worked on our own. I had lots of street smarts growing up in Burlington, Massachusetts.
1: You did. You were taking the bus into downtown Boston at, like, age 12. Uh,
0: What was I? 1997. Good Lord. So, what's, uh, 13. I was 13 years old when I could go, not to Boston, but to Cambridge. I could take the bus to the subway, and I could go to the record stores in Cambridge by myself. At 13 years old. No one was gonna, first of all, nobody wanted this chubby little curly-haired kid. And even (laughs) if they could, there was no way they'd be able to pick him up. (laughs) danny i could go i was able to go to the mall and ride my bike to the video store before mm-hmm. any of my friends and actually i think i helped my friends be able to do that a little earlier because they were like well Danny's- you
1: could never do that with kids these days oh ever. no
0: no i mean i definitely had- i wasn't
1: allowed to do any of that stuff <laughs> i
0: definitely had the 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 spielbergian uh bicycle life that you know kids the the you know, you're know,
1: you just you're at that like the end of that of that, that generation time, yeah. and then I'm in that like next generation of like way like over protective parents right <laughs> like you taught stranger danger from like the moment you come out of the womb
0: oh my gosh you know what I just realized is like the best idea it's like I just thought of something. Like, we don't have kids just riding around their towns on bikes anymore. All the interdimensional clowns are going to go around unchecked from now on. (laughs) And that's how you make, like, that's how you got to make, like, a uh, Spielbergian-style adventure-slash-horror movie nowadays. Like, how you make an It Part 3. You got to say, like you know, the kids aren't allowed out on the streets and all of these (laughs) monsters and all of these mysteries are going unsolved, and it's like we gotta let our kids out, and they gotta figure out these things. That's how you do Stranger Things set in 2020. (laughs) So, you have the live version, Dan. Yes. So, now that we heard the Matt father version, let's hear the live album from, this is from the 2016 portion of the live album. Trying to ignite some sort of passion from inside to overcome This feeling of desertion can't be worse than never having anyone You guys know it
1: I just want to say, I didn't say it earlier. I love the guitars in this song. That okay. wow, wow, I love that so much.
0: You know what's funny is um I don't hear this thing. So all throughout the years between Forget and Not Slow Down and Collapsible Lung, when they would play this song live, someone would come out on stage and hit like I'm sure it wasn't a cowbell, but it was a cowbell, a cowbell-like thing. And here in 2016, they didn't bother doing that anymore. And I would watch. I watched so many videos just to check the quality and also to look if there were any interesting stories before any videos, before any, before any performances. And I didn't really find much. But I found this one that is undated from 2010. Um, and. It's basically so Hoops was not on tour at the time, and Justin York had replaced him for the time being. And then Tyson gives this whole explanation that there's like three, you know, he just that Justin York is the older brother of the other York from Paramore. And apparently there's a third York brother. Oh, wow. Who then comes out and does the <laughs> cowbell part of the song in this live performance. Well, here it sounds more like a bell, but other videos it sounded more like a cowbell, um, or it actually sounds like uh, Coke bottles. In this one, a little bit, it sounds yeah, sounds more like glass or metallic. But yeah, someone would do this thing to the side of Ethan's drums all the time and go, and then I guess they just stopped doing that after Ethan left the band. So we didn't even listen to much of the live album version, but it's 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 on point it's like it's it's one of the best live tracks on the album for instance i'm not like a huge fan of the who i am it's who i've been performance on the live album i just don't think Teason plays it vocally that powerfully we talked about it in who i am it's who i've been but like something about this song in 20 even in 2016 just drew out the aggression along with the inherent aggression of the song so the then the last thing, and then we'll go to your deep dive, is I found this one clip from the Manila Mall tour. Nice. Um, but I said before I didn't find many good intros to the song. This was the only good intro to the song that I found, and it's Tyson talking before they play this in front of a Uniglow.
2: If they were Lion King to anybody, they would always think she was Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> I think that
0: sometimes. Yeah, Lion King. We're
2: mm-hmm. in the band
0: Lion King. That yeah, actually... I that band is. Probably. <laughs> anyway, I think that name on. might be taken. Yeah. So. <laughs> so it got cut off at the beginning, but I think they're saying that Hoops' kid thought their band was called Lion King. <laughs> That's cute. Um, and then they play it here in one of the Manila Malls and it's really blown out. Uh, a lot of live performances. The thing is, even though there's like no, there's like only five or six fan videos all together, there's dozens of live performances of the song. There's so many, and they played the song a bunch. Everybody has a bad camera. Like, nobody had good cameras. <laughs> nobody had good audio. Yeah. Everybody's shaky. Everybody's far away. Yeah. Like, no like official good looking footage. There's one bit of footage that's played from like 2009 or 10 early after this song existed it looks great you see Schneck doing like effects he's doing the pedals Schneck is there doing the pedal hoop stuff. nice I'm gonna post that on social media but it just sounds like the song so there's no reason to play it on the show
1: yeah this seems like it's probably a really fun song to play like yeah. it's, they do play it live a lot like and and it did make it onto a live album that has a relatively short track listing yeah
0: and from the re- the most recent tour yeah yeah so that's about all there was for the song uh, like i said if if if, if uh, youtube and soundcloud are any metric i'm just surprised that it's not as big a song to everyone overall as I always thought it was.
1: Yeah. So I have an official Twitter post from the Reliant K account from 2012. It says a big, this is from January 28th, 2012. A big thanks to Aaron Gillespie for singing his part on Sahara last night. Oh, it's 28 likes and 26 retweets. Wow, that's that's a small margin in there. Wow.
0: I have to go find that tweet and retweet it from the Sadie Hawkins pod account <laughs> right now.
1: <laughs> I can send you the link when we're done. Okay. Uh, then I have an incorrect lyric listing. Okay. So this is from DayLyrics.com. And it says, Home, Reliant K, Sahara. Chris was no philosopher. He was an ordinary man, 24 and running out of room, a rifle and a pack and a sack of rice on his back, guided by Tolstoy and the moon. Into the Yukon, he would go, in search of a higher truth. Christopher would make a break, with his world, but he never escaped his youth. Sahara will never be the south of France, obvious with the rising sun. If I had no home, I'd build one in the sand. If I didn't have a love, I'd find me one. If I didn't have a love, I'd find me one. Four months alone in the ice and snow is a long way from Annandale. Locals and trappers and Eskimos knew better than to trust that trail at one with the earth that With the earth he loves so well, a retreat from civilization, hunger, and emptiness took their toll. These are just the
0: words, aren't they? I'm just kidding.
1: Chris McEndless passed us by. And then there's a video for in like Ohio. Looking for the fish, looking out the fishbowl.
0: In Like a Lion is another cat song by Relying Kay.
1: That was the one I could not think of earlier. That was it. I was sitting here and I was like, oh, I got to bring up the truth and and, and in Like a Lion. And like that's part of the Well, the truth is like,
0: just the truth doesn't, we never even knew the truth was about the Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe. So that's like, it counts because it's about a lion. It counts, but it's like twice removed from the idea of being a cat. Being a cat-related thing, so
1: yeah, I I don't know what this song is. Um, more more lyrics of Relying okay, K. Where do I go from here? Let's see if that's correct. Nope. Well, I came. From, wait. Nope. Well, I came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. I'm going to Louisiana. My true love for to sea. <laughs>
0: that sounds true. <laughs>
1: don't you cry for me. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow, Sahara, no oh, don't you idea. cry for me.
1: Reliant K wrote that song. And they have uh their, their YouTube link is Alan Jackson, Like a Red Rose. Where do I go from here? This
0: website just sounds like a mess. What site is this?
1: Daylyrics.com. Oh, it just sounds
0: like a mess. Maybe like... No one, like, checked things as they got, like, uploaded and stuff. The lining
1: is silver is correct, though. Yeah, I'm
0: not saying that they wouldn't have some... uh, A a broken clock is right twice a day. (laughs) But it sounds like maybe just the website became a mess. Like, probably was dependent on people submitting stuff. And maybe people submitted things to the wrong stuff. And, like, it got uploaded wrong.
1: So I guess there's a song out there about... I think the guy from Into the Wild, maybe. That's what it sounded like, so... okay. Then I have a review from IndieVisionMusic.com. Mm-hmm. It's from October 6th, 2009. Reviewer Tyler Mills.
0: That's, you know, in the past I joked how uh, Jesus Free Out is kind of like the punk news of the Christian world. But really IndieVision music and Decapolis are more like specifically Christian sites geared towards punk and alternative. So they're more of the punk news of gotcha. Christian music.
1: Introduction. The first album I ever purchased was a Reliant KCD. The purchase made me mad because buying it off eBay, it skipped every time I played it. My friend tried to convince me that track 13 (laughs) on two lefts wasn't important, but he simply didn't understand. Every track on that album was important to me. I loved it that much. I had owned other albums before that, but I had never purchased an album with my hard-earned money. I received them through gifts and family. Ever since then, I have liked everything Reliant K has put out with varying degrees. There have been albums that have been worse than others, but in general, their material has been solid. (laughs) This is (laughs) pre-collapsible lung. I have also seen an amazing amount of growth throughout their discography. Since all work and no play, Reliant K has changed quite a bit. Reviewer... I want to get something out of the way. Forget Not Slow Down is just as good as mm-hmm. It is not worse. It is not better. I want to be clear about something else. This album doesn't sound like mm-hmm. Forget and Not Slow Down is a perfect example of Reliant K's ability to mature without losing their core audience, the whole time drawing in new fans. I don't know how they do it, but they do. If I had to put forgetting Not Slow Down into a genre, I'd say it falls into a folk piano punk genre.
0: As as
1: ridiculous (laughs) as it may sound, it's the perfect way to describe the music. It's
0: not a perfect way, but okay. (laughs)
1: It's a difficult concept to explain. Needless to say, this album isn't like any other Reliant K album before it. Forgetting Not Slow Down serves as a record about relationships. Real life and religion. Subjects that Matt Thiessen handles quite well. Without going into full-blown analysis of each track, each song on this album has its place. The songs dealing with relationships never Which seem, is every song. <laughs> never become cliche and always have significant mes- messages behind them. I Don't Need a Soul is a satirical song discussing the issue of putting romantic relationships before one's spiritual life. But I Don't Need a Soul, No, I Don't Need a Soul no, to Hold. Not. Without you, I'm still whole. You and life remain beautiful
0: no it's not I mean I guess that could be a way you could interpret it when you listen to it but that's not what that song's about
1: one interpretation. There are numerous songs on the album that will quickly become fan favorites. Songs like Part of It and If You Believe Me, Therapy and the title track have a distinctive Reliant K sound, sounding like any old material. Songs like Sahara with Tim Skipper, House of Heroes, Aaron Gillespie, Under Oath and The Almost, and Matt McDonald, The Classic Crime, will give listeners the chills with a combination of vocal melodies and amazing metaphorical lyrics that have made it one of my favorite songs of all time. The Lion on its side was it lying or his pride which brought him down once the king of beasts but now the they feast on the thoughts beneath his vacant crown candlelight and over it are some of the more mellow songs on the album yet never become boring with multiple listens the intros and outros serve as a mellow
0: song that's not boring how is that possible
1: (laughs) serve as perfect transition pieces without the intro to savannah the transition between it and sahara would be quite jarring yet as yet it is executed perfectly. By the time the closing tracks are over, you get the feeling that you've traveled somewhere allowing the music to carry you. I believe that may be the feeling Reliant K wanted to get across with the album artwork and the music itself, and I have absolutely no problem with that. Overall, Forget and Not Slow Down has a folk punk feel, giving it a very distinctive sound. Oh,
0: you're at the end, so I just finish up.
1: (laughs) Which coupled with the lyrical genius of Matt Thiessen make it one of the best albums of the year and Reliant K's career.
0: Okay, I, I, got a little, I got a little bee in my bonnet when they said folk at the beginning, and then they said it again, so I was like, wait, I figured it out. There's nothing folk about this album at all. I think they're miscategorizing the sort of roomy, organic sound of the album. The fact that it sounds like music played, you know, in a cabin... I mean we we know the context of it being written in a cabin, but I'm saying this the album has a very organic roomy sound. There's, I mean it was recorded in a cabin. It was recorded in the cabin as well. I think I've just forgotten that. Um a different cabin. A different cabin. Okay. Sorry, I forgot that. But I think it's there's nothing folk about it. It's a rock album. It's just a rock album. There's right. no folk. I'm not even saying folk has to be acoustic, but there's, like, no acoustic songs on the album, right? I don't think so. If there are, they're only parts. Um, It's not folk. That's not what folk is. Like, I just think they're attributing the organic sound of the album to folkiness. And that's just a misnomer. I know words like misnomer.
1: (laughs) Now we have a review from from Medium.com. This review is from Paul Huff from February 7th, 2017. Oh, and it lets me know that it's a four-minute read. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Reliant K is undeniably one of the most successful acts to come out of the contemporary Christian rock scene. After gaining a following with their early Christian punk albums, they hit the mainstream with 2004's Mm -hmm and 2007's Five Score and Seven Years Ago. Yet in 2009, the group released a lesser-known album called Forget and Not Slow Down, which I think contains their most mature and consistent songwriting to date. At first listen, Forget Not Slow Down sounds like a hodgepodge of relationship-themed songs, some positive, some melancholy, some angry, some that are self-reflective, and others that are clearly other-oriented. Paradoxically, many of the tracks are interconnected, forming intros and outros to other songs, akin to a kind of concept album. This is no coincidence, as Forget Not Slow Down has a very subtle central theme, the breakdown of a serious romance. To fully understand this album, it helps to know the background of lead singer Matt Thiessen, and and I'm going to skip over this because we know. Uh, While some critics have analyzed the lyrics for evidence of... I'm going to skip over this part too, it's hearsay. Uh, Interesting for its psychological content, that is. A person going through the stages of grief following a lost relationship. The title track opens the album with a deriving with a driving, upbeat rock melody, yet the lyrics paint an angst-ridden portrait of a person trying to escape despair. I'd rather forget and not slow down than gather regret for the things I can't change now. If I become what I can't accept, resurrect the saint from within a wretch. The second track, called I Don't Need a Soul, takes place on a hospital deathbed and serves as an allegory for the inevitable inevitability of a breakup did it not really the tone no. not at all actually <laughs> the tone of the song okay. remains i that's
0: where we are with this review yep
1: uh like the
0: last one <laughs> this like, isn't deathbed no the, the last one saying like folk album it's folk or saying uh i don't need a soul is about whatever and they were wrong that's fine but like i feel like this review is uh, a little iffy. has it been four minutes yet <laughs>
1: The tone of the song remains bright and self assured as the narrator c- attempts to distance himself from the heartbreak. The folksy tracks, candlelight, and flare create a sort of flashback into the relationship, I, recounting you... the adoration of love, recounting the adoration the narrator had for his lost love and how lucky he was to have her in his life.
0: I would, I have no, pro- I have less of a problem with the word folksy because that's like a quality. And I can accept that there might be a folksy quality to the album because it can come from any aspect. It, uh, so it might be, you know, picking straws or whatever, if that's the right idiom. But it's, <laughs> what's the word? It might be uh, nit- nitpicking. It might be nitpicking. Or it, grasping at straws. It, 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 it might be whatever to, to criticize the last reviewer for calling it folk. And I think that's flat out wrong, but I have less of a problem with the word folksy.
1: Returning to present, the more aggressive part of it displays bitterness and remorse that the relationship had to end, along with the realization that life goes on. The contemplative folk rock flavored therapy comprises the core of the album, describing (laughs) solitude as a way of coping with brokenness. I never thought I'd need all this time alone. It goes to show I had so much, yet I had need for nothing but you it's no wonder that this was the first song teeson wrote during his three months seclusion in seclusion over it features a slowed down progressive pop styling continuing the themes of soul searching and making sense of the past The band suddenly switches gears with the angst-filled punk rock homage Sahara, which is laden with metaphors and wordplay that circle around feelings of guilt and a fall from grace. After an ethereal transition oasis, the album enters an ostensible dream sequence in the light, gleeful song Savannah. The narrator recalls the seeming perfection of being in love. Everything makes sense when you're with me. This is abruptly succeeded by an apocalyptic post-breakup reprise in Baby. Themes of bargaining, regret, and reconciliation show up in the song If You Believe Me as the narrator yearns for redemption with his ex. Matt Thiessen closes the album with a brooding yet powerful climax, This Is The End. And at this point... At this point, the narrator has finally accepted the fact that the relationship is over. I can't keep a straight face and say this is not the end. Not if you want it. It's upon us. And I want to say it's sinking in. Roiling guitars cool to a simmer in the poignant coda if you want it. Condensed within the final verses is an epiphany of self-affirmation. I've been convincing myself that I'm worthwhile because I'm worth what I'll convince myself to be. In this way, the narrator describes how anguish, guilt, and longing give way to a promise of restoration and healing. Aside from its context and emotional themes, Forgetting Not Slow Down is remarkable f- for its diverse organic musicianship. For the first time in the band's history, Reliant K decided to forego using MIDI and software instruments, giving the LP a stripped-down indie feel. The album manages to seamlessly blend elements of alt-rock and pop-punk with some sprinkles of folk. Teeson's verbose, Oof. and I can hear the folkiness, Maybe. Danny, Okay. Teeson's verbose and witty lyricism remains the one constant from reliant k's early days i would strongly recommend this collection to any fan of rock the album's core themes will hit home for anyone who's gone through a tough breakup or lost a friend whom they still respect yet the messages and yet the messages of reflection and hope make forget and not slow down accessible for everyone else originally written in august 2011 Anybody who listens to this podcast on, like, 1.5 or 2 speed, like, I wonder how I sound when I read through these
0: reviews. We should just start uploading the podcast in a native, like, <laughs> 1.5 speed.
1: And then to close us out, oh, we this have ju- song meanings. <laughs>
0: Jessica told me about this a little bit during our break, and I was like, we're ending with that. That's especially why I did my segment first.
1: So the very first comment is, well, first of all, they correct the lyrics and then go into this very long diatribe of something Danny just loves, which is where we're saying this, I I believe we're trying to say that this is completely about God and not at all about a girl.
0: Now, that's hilarious. Flat out funny because... I got, you know, I got uh, I got spicy about it with Be My Escape, but I know that song's about God. If you listen to our Be My Escape episodes, I don't act like I know it's about God, but I do know it's about God. But really, I just want it to be left open so everyone can interpret it how they want it, because I feel like that song was written in a way specifically where it's it can be about anything. I think some songs are written to specifically be about specific things, and other songs are written to specifically be open to more interpretations. I think the songs on Forget Not Slow Down are closed. <laughs> like, the kitchen is closed on the songs <laughs> of Forget Not Slow Down. <laughs> we know there's, there's so much firsthand information about this album. We know what it's about. So it's unlike mm-hmm Five Score, you know, where they're in this gray area between their ministry days and their mainstream, you know, festival rock days. Unlike that time where some of the songs are about God, some of them aren't. People can debate it. Cool. Debate. Wonderful. Discourse is fun. Forgotten Not Slow Down is about a girl. <laughs>
1: You know, and I I definitely think that if you want it to be about something else, if it makes it about something else to you, absolutely use that. If that helps you get through something, if you, however you want to perceive art, that's how you should be allowed to perceive art. But maybe don't go on the internet and be like, this is 100% about this thing when the information exists out there. And try to close down everybody else. Yeah, and try to close down everyone else when the information does exist out there of what it actually is And the other thing
0: is, forget not slow down, with everything I just said, it's about a breakup of a relationship with a human. <laughs> Jessica gave me the glory l- of your voice. <laughs> it, because
1: it's 1030 at night and oh, we have neighbors. Yeah. And earlier, our upstairs neighbor was playing her music very loudly. And <laughs> yeah. I, you may or may not be able to hear it in the background. So, so everything, courtesy.
0: Everything I said before, just a moment ago, about what this album is about. It is still through the lens and th- f- flavored by... Matt Thiessen's faith that's the thing about like that's the thing about any art is that like you know you write about you make well not anything this is that's a way it can go when you write poetry when you write a song when you write a story that you have a specific thing you want to talk about but it's all flavored by your experiences and your worldview so Yes, it's a Christian album. It's, you know, it's it's got that, but it's about a relationship. It's, there's no, let's hear it. <laughs>
1: here's what Imini on November 20th, 2009 had to say over on song meetings. So after they correct the lyrics, they say, now that the lyrics are right, here's what I think. First, others have said that Matt T. writes songs in the form of a prayer. Matt T. said that although they incorporate their faith into their songs, they don't want to be labeled as a Christian band, probably because that is a tight box to fit into. But now if you have listened to the whole of Forget and Not Slow Down album, it is apparent that the whole thing is about pressing on, while not diminishing the fact that there is pain and hurt when you lose someone you care for deeply, but at the same time, there is there is ocean of God's greatness and love that surrounds us if we only open our eyes and recognize it. Sure. Matt T's friend and singer-songwriter John Foreman also wrote a song a while back called Gone, I think. In the outro he says, Life is more than girls. Relying K, unlike other bands who write songs about losing people you love, gives way to the fact that God is still there and his love never ends. If you are looking for love in the world, you most likely will not find it. At least the real love you won't. Alright. Is, is... <laughs> I was
0: I was I was with him up until that moment. Like, you know. The, and there's a difference. There's a difference. I don't I'm not familiar with that switchfoot song. But there's a big difference between this, the idea of like uh, uh, certain songs or certain media presenting the idea that only romance and relationships will like give you happiness, because that's a wrong point of view, even from a non-Christian point of view. Like if you are relying too much on another person for your happiness, too much from out that becomes codependence. That's not a, so John Foreman's absolutely correct. Even if he wasn't a Christian, he would still be correct. Life is more than romance or sex or, you know, uh, (laughs) leaving someone's hoodie in their car and collapsible... (laughs)
1: if you are looking for love in the world you will most likely not find it at least the real love you won't is it possible to find in others yes but god alone has the love which many of us long for yet we turn away from him and try to fulfill the disf- satisfaction of our own heart by looking for love in the world friends girls etc
0: now sorry i know there's so much left in here that's a very common christian point of view or it's a very common, you know, way of phrasing it. However, in my point, in, in my opinion, I think reasonably, God expresses his love. If you believe in God, God expresses his love to us through many forms. And one of them is through the love of the people he puts in our lives. So you find when on our, my wedding vows, I said to to Jessica in front of all our witnesses, I want my love to you to be a reflection of God's love for you. So it's like this person's just flat out shutting down the idea that you can find love in people. I completely disagree because not only can you find love in people and people love each other and there's love there, but if you really believe in God, that love becomes God's love. A friend's a friend forever when the Lord's the Lord of them. <laughs> and a friend will not say never, though their welcome will not end.
1: Well said, Danny.
0: <laughs> I Yeah, I wrote that.
1: The love which the world gives is empty. It won't fill your heart completely, maybe for a moment or two. But what's after that? Someone once said... I looked at God and the dove of peace flew into my heart. I looked at the dove of peace and it flew away. Someone else said that life is like a jigsaw puzzle. What does this have to do with the song we're talking about? (laughs) And God is the big center puzzle piece. There's not necessarily a big center puzzle piece. Mostly puzzle pieces are like the same general size. One can connect the edge pieces <laughs> a, <good> <laughs> a few and few others, but without God in the center, none of the other pieces make sense. Life won't make sense without God in the center. The loving, vital, and personal relationship with God should be first above all. Secondly, the love between a man and a woman does exist. Oh, all right. Mm,
0: backpedaling. I I think well. Oh, is he saying? I just think only it's the love harder. Between a man and a and
1: woman. I just think it's harder and harder to see and find love where two people care about the other and other more than themselves and don't insist on their way, especially where in songs and huh. society, we are often misled into focusing on ourselves and our wants and our desires and our feelings and what loves brings us instead of the other way around. There's
0: chestnuts of reasonable truth and an otherwise sort of like scattershot, you know, thing that I just don't agree with.
1: We've been trained to think almost completely backwards. Now what I think the song means. Finally. <laughs> I never Sir, t- this
0: is a Wendy's. <laughs> I, never,
1: I never told you then that I'd be easy to love. I think in the bridge and the whole song that the you is referring to God. Nope. I never told God then that I'd be easy to love. I think I mean, for a moment Matt maybe. T may have been down so down that he turned his back on God in some way. Matt said this to God because Matt knows that it is not easy to love someone that turns their backs on you. In Matt's case, it was a girl. In God's case, it was Matt who turned his back. I mean, maybe that is yeah, reasonable. that's totally, so- and that's
0: that. That is actually my thing about Be my escape. Is I think we have to throw out. Our concepts of poetry being binary or singular, like the idea that there was only one interpretation that the poet themselves might have meant two, three, four or five interpretations when they wrote it, not just that they wrote one thing and you all have different interpretations and you all debate which is true, but that literally all of them are true at the same time. Yeah, like I, we we all we all as a society need to start accepting that about poetry.
1: Because I can absolutely see how you would look at lines and how you can absolutely take the lines don't ever turn me loose even when I turn my back to be like please god don't ever turn me loose right. even when I turn my back on you even when you know I can't I can't have a personal relationship with you right now please just always be there. Yeah supposedly a man but i feel like a cub what is man a fun-loving party guy with a six-pack no a man is one who knows his responsibility and accountability to god a man is one who keeps god in the center of his life it's apparent from matt's song that he has a relationship with god at least that's what But he said he's a cub (laughs) but he felt like a cub and had a desire to chase things a girl perhaps
0: No! Well, that's literally not the truth of the song, of the situation. I wandered into the plains. A girl. A girl. Some girl at a bar. This isn't collapsible lung yet. Some chick at a bar, and he was chasing her, he's like, hey, baby. And then she's like, no thanks, and then he goes out into the desert to die. This, This isn't just some, this isn't some vapid love song. It's a song about deep, personal heartbreak, and it can be through the lens of your faith and your feelings about Christ also not abandoning you in your time of need. Sure, but oh my gosh.
1: I have like 10 more paragraphs to get through here.
0: I <laughs> are never going to get through it.
1: I wandered into the plains further and farther away. Wandered as a word I would relate to being lost. Maybe Matt wandered away chasing a girl or maybe this wandering took place after he was dejected by this girl in order to get away. That's how he wrote this album, away from everything in solitude so you know of the country. you know the story of the album. <laughs> Further and farther away from what, from what, or from whom? You no, know it's God or the
0: girl. The 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 benefit of the doubt that I could give this this poster just went away because I'm like, well, maybe they don't know about the fact that he had been broken up with at the time by his fiance. In in planned marriage through Christ. Like, what do you want? It wasn't just some chick.
1: Not ever knowing that I'd never come back the same. As my organs gave way, I swear I felt something burst. Investing a lot of time, thought, care, and love in a person can hurt when it all burns down in the end. And it doesn't end the way it looked at, like it would. It's been 13 days and now I'm dying of thirst. Maybe 13 days without a thought to God, whom who knows where the lyrical wisdom of 13 days comes from the real point. I think that's, that's, that's a literal Teeson moment. I think he's like been in the cabin for 13 days or it's been 13 days since the breakup or something
0: like that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't think he picked 13 as a special symbol. Like it's a, Like it's a QAnon post and there's special symbols in it.
1: The real point, I'm dying of thirst. Okay, John 4.13, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. John six thirty five and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Matthew five six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled.
0: I appreciate this poster putting the actual Bible quotes in there and not making us do the work like they do on Genius. Well,
1: we have 30 more to get through, so get ready. (laughs) As for the birds of prey, I pray that someone else will get. For those who think Matt writes songs in the form of prayer, by his subtle lyric by his lyrical subtleties he incorporates his faith into songs as for the birds of prey i think that this is a reference back to feeling like a cub chasing birds which may look so good and it might feel so right but he prays someone Wait, will else will get there first so he doesn't fall into the trap of becoming alive to the world and his desires and deaf to god i think he's saying that the birds are like chasing skirts like chasing ladies Someone chasing after the cubs are chasing after the girls. Someone else will get here first. God is the only one who Uh. has the power to change a person. He needs God's help. But I am not alone. A, realizes that there are many others with the same pain and hurts as he. B, he realizes that there are people around him who care for him besides just the girl. C. Realizes the true friendship and comfort of the Holy Spirit of God. I know that sounds a little charismatic, but I'll save that argument for another time. Or D. All of the above. I'll be all right. (laughs) Light at the end of the tunnel. Hope of a new day. Romans 5 5. New hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. It's not the end. Take this experience and learn from it and move forward
0: yeah <laughs> this is like classic like what propaganda or like a dictator trying to get people up in a fervor how that works like you use little truths and then you bend it towards your right viewpoint <laughs> just
1: take these bones and breathe them back to life job 33 4 the spirit of god has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life breathe them back to life. Who? Only God has that power. It's now evident who Matt is talking to. He's talking to God. Is there a prayer? Is that a prayer? I don't know. Similar to the story of the prodigal son in the book of Matthew. Listen, folks, everyone ends up in one of two places. If you want the better, eternal life in heaven, you need to believe that Jesus Christ was the son of the living God, that he came to this earth in the flesh and died on the cross, paying the price for your sins, that God raised him up from the dead on the third day. Many people say, yeah, I believe that. But just believing it won't get you anywhere unless there is a true Unless there's truly a change of heart and ways and truly place your trust in him. Again, what does this have to do with the song we are currently talking about? (laughs) Not only confessing that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the only one that can save you from sin, death and hell, that he is the only way to heaven, not your works or anything you have done, but Christ alone is the way to the truth and the life. But also, one, find a church so you might hear the preaching of the word and rejoice in the fellowship of other Christians. Is he trolling? Like, what is this? Is he just coming He's here? He's just using this He's song
0: just, as a place to, like...
1: Like, this is not your soapbox. Like, song. this song <laughs> this is, is not it's, your soapbox. Well, it's
0: literally evangelizing, like, is, as if there's, like... Heathens in the song meanings comments for this song, so he's using this chance to minister and try to get people saved and and do. <laughs> but this isn't really the place
1: to study the
0: Bible, for that is where
1: we learn of God and His plans three play, pray to him to strengthen your faith and increase your love towards him and four enjoy the blessings given by god in the heavenly ordained sacraments baptism and the lord's supper all of these will incur, work to encourage and build upon your faith
0: this really has nothing to do with the song
1: there are four <laughs> replies <laughs> juano j-u-a-i-o on January 8th, 2010 said, I'm agnostic and listen to Reliant K, and you're suggesting that I should find a church to go to. Honestly, I believe that if you believe there is a God, you don't have to read a book. Churches have spent decades reading when people could read it in their own time in weeks. I honestly believe church is just a meet and greet. I believe I don't have to go to church Well, there to were go hundreds to heaven. of years
0: where, where people weren't allowed to read the Bible. Said so I guess just... For those hundreds of years, they all just went to hell like they had to go to church and only have the Bible read to them by the church and their salvation came through the church. So just all those people, all those Christians until like the Protestant Reformation, they just all went to hell. How do millions of people from all those generations just went to hell?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't ascribe to that, and I'm not going to get into it here. That same commenter also said, the lyrics are right, though. So apparently the guy just reposted the exact same lyrics. They were already correct on the song meetings. Um, Pretty Rider on January 28, 2010 said... Juano, you're very right. You don't have to go to church to go to heaven. In fact, church can be a risky place to go. Many people rely on churches, retreats, and Bible studies to have a relationship with God. In other words, their relationship is of this world. However, church is a great way to A, have your questions answered and doubts dissolved, B, be in a fellowship with other Christians, and C, come to a safe place when you're in pain. And in need. Also, the Bible can often be hard to interpret. Your pastor can often explain certain passages and make them applicable to your life. You are correct, however, when it comes down to it. God will be judging your heart, not your schedule. Uh, L.B. Guitarist on June fifteenth, 2015 said, Emini, you couldn't have put it any better. Well interpreted. I'm going to make a song (laughs) meetings login just to go in and be like, this has nothing to do with the song.
0: Also, you're wrong. You're literally wrong. So two people kind of had a little conversation amongst themselves that didn't uh, directly address them. And then a third person said that the song poster was correct.
1: Um, Sort of. Sort of. If you if that's how you want to interpret the song meanings,
0: people. We should do song meanings meanings. <laughs> yes. Let's create songmeaningsmeanings.com. Let's song gonna, go on GoDaddy right now.
1: Just, I'm just going to go in and play devil's advocate with all these <laughs> Oh, well-chosen words,
0: devil's <laughs> advocate.
1: Um, uh, May Duke 01 on October eleventh, two 2009 said, I think it's about how he cheated on his fiancée, turned aside, and she cut him loose, and now he's asking God to never do the same because he stays with us and doesn't retreat us. And doesn't treat us as we deserve. It's pretty amazing. One of the focal points of Christianity is how Christ's love transcends human love. I can get perfectly yeah, on board with that. Yeah. That is a great song meaning.
0: <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, that's...
1: Then there's people who are just pointing out what, what the puns and the, the like, different wordplay and Word is. meanings are, Yeah, yeah. Simly zero one on October twenty second two thousand nine said it is definitely about loneliness, but he is also wondering what got him there—the the lying or the pride. He seems to be regretful of the things he's done that have caused his loneliness. Again, another great song meaning, <laughs> super appropriate <laughs> and to very post concise. Here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I mean, there's like two pages that. Been. Yeah,
0: so. Good job finding that stuff. Very interesting. Um, So how do you feel about this song? Do you like it more, the same, or less than before we started?
1: You know, I liked it more until we got to the song meetings, and now (laughs) I'm just a broken human being.
0: (laughs) So let's just say you liked it more. Let's, Let's put the song meetings behind us to be honest before we started the episode i was angling towards liking it less mm. doing my own research and finding that like there's you know this lack of community support behind the song other than like some people you know people on twitter and realizing I mean, how sings violent s- live with yeah it. but also kind of realizing how depressing and violent the imagery in the song was <laughs> right. and that really pushed me towards liking it less but this whole conversation has actually kind of made me like it more again.
1: Yeah, the poetics. I yeah. like I really like the poetics of it. I love all of the different wordplay in it. I think that it's I think that it's really like like Tyson on his songwriting A game for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to sleep. (laughs) I'll be lying on my side and trying to forget about that entire song reading that you just read.
1: And not slow down on the podcast and quickly hurry on to the next episode. This is Sadie Hawkins Pod reminding you that we are neither officially endorsed by Reliant K (laughs) or Headspace.
0: Or Salmon Chips.